Let's pray. Father, our, our words matter and teach us how to use them and to be mindful of those things that, that you tell us and command us to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Maybe seated. Um, I wanted to start off today uh, by letting you know a little bit about the season that we're in here in the church. We're in a, a season called Ordinary Time. Um, it's, it's, ha- it's not called Ordinary Time because it's just blah and nothing ever happens. It's called Ordinary Time because, I don't know if you remember this from school, but when you talk about the numbers, one, two, three, four, those are called the ordinal numbers. And so this is the season of the year where we just start counting how many Sundays we are past Pentecost. And those the ordinal numbers. So we had the first Sunday after, second Sunday after. We're now the sixth Sunday after Pentecost. And that's why it's called Ordinary Time, right? So here's how the church calendar works throughout the year. Uh, you may see that um, the, the church calendar actually starts up in about the 9 o'clock, between 9 and 10 o'clock on the left, uh, with a purple thing called Advent. That's brand new Happy New Year in the church, and it goes through Christmas and Epiphany and Lent and Easter and then Pentecost. And now we're in that ordinary time after Pentecost that's about half the year. So this lets us, this just made, the batteries may be dead on this now. There we go. So that's the first half of the year. We just went through the second half of the year. That's where we are. So ordinary time. Uh, But anyway, that was free. Now we'll get to business. Today I want to talk about words matter. Uh, In in ordinary time, we we tend to talk about those things that affect the life of the church. Um, While the other six months we're looking at the, the, the life of Jesus and how that intersects with us. We're just, now we're looking at those things. We're reflecting on everyday challenges that help or hinder walking with the Lord. And our words are one of those things. And so today we'll look at how words matter. They matter, first of all, because words can be used to inspire and move people. Words are powerful, and good authors and good poets and good lyricists and good communicators craft their words to to convey what needs to be conveyed, uh, to to make a point that sticks, to stir emotions. Sometimes that's how you do it, or to inspire. Uh, Does anybody else like that Robin Williams movie called Dead Poet Society? I love that. I, I love that movie. Now, it, on the scale of great movies, I mean, it's it's a pretty good movie. But there are some parts of it. He's a Robin Williams plays an English teacher in a uh, school in the fifties, and and he's just trying to get these boys into crafting language and what poetry is all about. And he says, uh, no matter what anybody tells you, words and ideas can change the world. And he says this, I love this, we don't read and write poetry because it's cute. We read and write poetry because we are members of the human race, and the human race is filled with passion. Medicine, law, business, engineering, 
These are noble pursuits and necessary to sustain life. But poetry, romance, love, these are what we stay alive for. Isn't that beautifully communicated? I love that. I love that. It makes me want to to pull out my books of poetry, which I rarely pull out, you know, read through them. Now, Jesus was somebody who who chose his words carefully. And and at times, he he chose them to do the same thing. I mean, he's always making a point, but he's, he's often doing it in ways that stir emotion so that the deep truth will sink in. For instance, he says... And think about hearing this idea for the first time. Blessed are the poor in spirit. And who would think about who that would be? Is that, maybe that's you. And when you're poor in spirit, you don't feel very blessed. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And feel that lift that comes from that. First of all, he's noticed me. Somehow he identifies with me. He knows what it is to be poor in spirit. And then and then there's a promise. There's this the kingdom of heaven. Oh, that's a, that's crafted. That's said on purpose. Right? And and then he'll say things to inspire. Matthew six nine. This then, he says, is how you should pray. <gasps> okay. How I should pray. Start with our Father in heaven. What does that tell you about God? What does that mean about how I can approach him? Right? It's not almighty and everlasting God of whom we are not worthy to speak. No, this is our daddy. It's a word that means daddy. Right? That's that's inspiring, isn't it? And words are... They they matter because they can be used to inspire. Now, words also matter because they communicate meaning. Words have purpose, you know, just, pardon the pun, written into them. There's, there's actually a battle that gets waged over the meaning of words. It's happened all throughout history, and it's happening today. Whoever gets to define words is better positioned to win the argument. Whoever gets to define a word is better positioned to win the argument. Here are some words that have multiple definitions depending on who you talk to today. And whoever gets to define them has a step up in the argument. Right? Words matter because what words communicate matters. Words matter because of how they can be misused. It's true in every generation. I bet it's true for you. Words can help and words can There's a childhood rhyme that some of you may know. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Not so true, is it? Not so true. Anyone 
who, who's exposed your heart even a little bit in this world knows it, right? Words can be the most damaging thing. We, we all know that, don't we, from experience? Who doesn't know that? Words can build up and, and words can break down. And, and think about that. Here's a few seconds for you to think about it. Consider your own memories of hurtful words that you've either spoken or have been said to you. Words you wish you'd never heard to begin with and words you wish you'd never said. Psalm 34, 12. And and Peter quoted it when he wrote his letter, 1 Peter 3, 10. Whoever of you loves life and desires to see many good days, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking lies. So if you want to, to love life, if you want to see good days, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking lies. Now, now, let's talk about evil for a second. I mean, we think of that as, oh, it's demonic. It's the devil. You know, don't, do what the, don't say what the devil wants. Well, it's partially true, but that's good in the scriptures means something that's it's, it's fitting. It's doing the purpose for which God created it. All right, you remember in creation where God is, is speaking everything into existence and he looks at it and says it's good and and he says, uh, Genesis one thirty one. God saw all that He had made, and it was very good. That means it was it was doing what He meant for it to do. Everything was in its place. It all had a role. It all brought Him glory. It all worked together. And we use good like that, don't we? We have good cars and good dogs, don't we? Oh, that's a good watch. I've had it. We, and we don't mean it's morally making the right choices, although that's a way you can apply the word good. But it's, 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 got it. it's good soil. It's a good bicycle. All right. Evil is the opposite. It's, it's not working the way God intended it. It's not doing what God wants it to do. It, it doesn't fulfill its role. You know, uh, this this is the same word. See how good is highlighted in yellow? This is the opposite word that's highlighted in yellow. It also comes from Genesis. And it's talking about what Joseph, Pharaoh has a dream and Joseph interprets it. The seven, then the scrawny thin cows. Those are the evil thin cows. Why are they evil? Are they making bad choices? No. Cows aren't supposed to be scrawny. They're not supposed to be thin, are they? That's not how it's intended to be. It's broken. It's not working right. And, and so that, that feeds into our understanding of good and evil, doesn't it? So keep your tongue from evil. Keep your tongue from doing things that God never intended your tongue to do. Saying things that God doesn't intend for you to say. 
things that tear down. Keep your tongue from things that tear people down, that hurt them. Things that aren't fitting, they aren't proper, they're not respectful. Keep your tongue from that and from speaking lies, right? You know, that some speech is just, it's obvious that we need to avoid it. You know, this is one of the Ten Commandments. You shall not, God says, give false testimony against your neighbor. It's, it's not just don't lie. That's, that's not what I'm saying. But giving false testimony about somebody else, saying something that's true about them that really isn't true, that's, that made God's top ten list. Slander was considered one of the most evil sins of speech that could be committed. Saying what wasn't true about someone else. It happens online all the time. Happens in our media all the time. Let me give you an example. This comes out of the Chicago Sun-Times. This is a real example, something that actually happened in Chicago in the mid-90s. There was a, a substitute teacher... His name was Albert Thompson. And Albert was a substitute teacher in Chicago at this particular school for a fourth grade class. Now, this class, it was an inner city school. Uh, The kids were rambunctious, to say the least. The class that day, the kids were fighting and shouting and just running in and out of the classroom and wouldn't listen to him. And so he went and he stood at the classroom door and he blocked it and he yelled at them. Uh, he, he rebuked them, you know, said, you've got to quit doing this. You get in your seats and I, want, I am telling the principal what y'all are doing so that he can deal with you. Well, there was one girl in the class that didn't like that. She didn't want to get in trouble. She was nine years old and she made up a story shared it with 10 other kids and paid those 10 other kids a dollar apiece to say the same thing that the teacher molested her. And so she, when she went in the principal's office, she said it, and she said other people saw it, and those 10 other kids said the same thing. Now, Mr. Thompson, understandably, was immediately suspended And the investigation began. And as they investigated, they uncovered the plot. They found out what was happening. Kids started fessing up to it, and the girl confessed to it. That that's what she did. So Mr. Thompson was cleared of all that wrongdoing. Isn't that great? Except there were parents who brought him before the school board and demanded They didn't trust that. They didn't trust that some of them, their kids had lied, and instead of punishing their kids, they tried to clear their kids and insisted that he be fired. And the school board didn't go along with it. He was allowed to continue teaching, but he decided he did not want to go back into the classroom. It was in the press. He was guilty until he was proven innocent. He called the incident, quote, a nightmare. A lot of people were willing to crucify me rather than hear this story out. He said, 
he said he was leaving teaching. He said, right now my reputation is soiled. I don't care where I go in the school system. People know about it. Slander is harmful. And it made God's top ten list of things that we shouldn't do. That's evil our tongue should not speak, right? We can do, though, great damage to others without lying. You can tell true things about somebody else that hurt. Things that cast them in a bad light. Things that make them not look so good. And it, they may be true. It's called gossip. That's one of the ways that it springs up. It's often at the root of gossip. It's, it might be true, but it's unnecessary and it's damaging when it gets spread out. You know, uh, and it's also things. It's pointing out to your wife that the preacher preaches too long. Thank you for laughing. Or that he steps on your toes. Is complaining to your sister that your husband forgot your birthday again. Might be true. Any sentence that starts with, well, so-and-so is a great person, but she's annoying when... Any, anything that starts out that way, probably something you shouldn't say. This is a habit that can tear down friendships. And at minimum, it demeans others. And these others were created in the image of God. They bear his image, and God loved them so much he sent his son to die on a cross for them. There are, of course, there are a few times when a person needs to relay, for some reason, damaging information. I mean, we see it in court. But there are other times that it may be necessary. But outside of that, be careful. Please be full of care. There's a, there's a story. It, it's kind of a parable. Uh, told about a, a habitual gossip. Somebody in the neighborhood that was constantly sharing stories about this. <gasps> You'll never guess what I heard. And got convicted about it, realized they shouldn't be doing it, and they knocked on the door of the, there's a rabbi in the neighborhood. They knocked on the door of the rabbi and said, Rabbi, what, what do I need to do to make amends for this? Because I figured out I shouldn't be doing it. And the rabbi said, here's what you do. Go home, get a pillow, and bring it back. Oh, okay. And they went home and got a pillow and brought it back. Here's the pillow. The rabbi said, here's a knife. I want you to rip it open and toss the feathers up in the air. Well, it was a windy day, so when they did that, the feathers flew all over the place, right? And the rabbi said, here's how you make amends. Go and find every feather and bring it back. And the person said, there's no way I can do that. I mean, it's everywhere. And the rabbi said, exactly. There's no way you can get it back. It's impossible to repair all the damage that you've done. Keep your tongues from evil. Our words also matter because they can damage our own hearts. 
what you say impacts you as well. Um, before Dawn and I got married, we had a, a really wonderful premarital class that we took. It was like 10 weeks. And for six of those weeks, we were assigned a mentor couple. We'd get together with that couple uh, several times and, and just talk about the class material and how does this work out in real life. And all. It was great. But one of the things in that class that, that they really exhorted us to be mindful of is to never, when I'm talking to somebody else about my wife, never talk poorly about her. Don't call her the old ball and chain. Don't. Just don't. And even when it's true, oh, she's been on me about, you know, doing thus and such, and I'm tired of it. Don't do those things. Don't talk like that about your spouse to anybody. Um, I decided before we got married that I wouldn't. That I would not do that. That that I be, and I'm mindful to this day. I hope I I haven't done it. Maybe I have because I'm broken. I don't think I've ever done it. I don't. Maybe I have, but I try not to. Never to do that. Never to talk about her in a less than honoring way. I bite my tongue sometimes. I mean, there are times I'm upset, but I don't need to talk about that to somebody else. And I'm I'm glad it's. I just call this labeling. I, I think that labeling anybody is, is an evil use of our tongue. Calling your spouse the old ball of chain. He's such a jerk. She's a witch. Any of this stuff, I mean, it's, it's you, we shouldn't do it. But doing it to anybody, not just a spouse. Because when we do this, it plants some seeds in our hearts, doesn't it? I mean, one of the reasons that we were encouraged, don't speak about your spouse this way to anybody, is because you'll start to see them even more in that light. Ah, she's always complaining about me. You know, I don't listen to anything she says. Well, tomorrow I'm going to listen less to what she says because I'm talking about it in that way, right? You see where I'm going with this? The things that we say start to infect us. And the more often we talk badly about somebody, whether it's a political figure or our, our neighbor or somebody at church or somebody on the school board or whoever, the more we talk poorly about them and stir that stuff up, the more entrenched in it we are. Those things plant something in us. We actually influence our hearts by the things that we say. And what you say, conversely, is also a good indication of what's in your heart. Right? Jesus said this, a, a good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. And an evil person, somebody who's not doing what God wants, somebody who, it's not fitting, it's not right. You know, people that are doing this wrong produce wrong things, broken things from the treasury of a broken heart. What you say flows from what's in your heart. So it works both ways. You say things because it's there, but you just, you 
Because you said it, you entrench it even deeper. You see that? It's both. Here's an example from today's gospel. Martha, you remember, was gently rebuked by Jesus. Not, not because, well, let's, let's just look at this. She comes to Jesus and she says, she's been busy. She's been, Jesus came to her house. She's being hospitable. She's preparing food. She's taking care of them. She's giving them drinks. She, you know, she's making sure the air conditioner is set right. She's, she's busy. Hospitality was a big deal in that culture. Big deal in that culture. You took care of people when they came to visit. She was doing a good thing. Mary, her sister, was sitting around with Jesus, listening to everything he said, talking with him, asking questions, which wasn't abnormal. I mean, there were women who were following Jesus throughout all of his ministry. And and Mary's becoming one of those. And Martha gets a little, little, I mean, you can tell by her words, she's a little ticked about it. Martha came to Jesus and asked, Lord, don't you care? My sister has left me to do the work by myself. Tell her to help me. And, and Jesus says, basically, she's not doing a bad thing. I'm not going to take it away from her. Even though, you know, in, in the household, hospitality is a high deal. This is also a big deal. And, and so it's a gentle rebuke. And, and she's not being rebuked because she's doing something unimportant, Martha. Martha is doing something very important. Mary is not doing something unimportant. She's doing something very important. Why did Jesus have this very gentle rebuke of Martha? It's probably because of her sharp tongue. Tell her to help me. It, it, it betrays, that's betrays something other than a gracious, hospitable heart. Right? It, it's not a humble attitude. It's a self-pitying attitude. It's a look-at-me attitude. It shows that something's off in her heart. And Jesus didn't come back with a sledgehammer, but it was gentle, but it was there. No, I'm not taking this away from her. This is okay. If you find yourself complaining about someone else, whether you know them, and they're married to them, or you don't know them, but their name is in the papers, if you find yourself complaining, if you're willing to pass on information that may be true, but it's demeaning, it can damage somebody's reputation, check your heart. Check your heart, because that's evil coming from your lips. That's, that's not the way it's supposed to be. Saying things that are damaging, it can be an indication that your own heart is damaged. But Jesus can mend it. This is from today's reading from Colossians. You were God's enemies. You were separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions, by, by not doing it the way that God intends you to do it, including in, in your speech. That kind of puts you a little bit at odds with God, doesn't it? 
You're his enemy. That includes speech. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. Even though by what you're doing, you're at odds with God, God's reconciled you. Even though you didn't reconcile you, God reconciled you through what Jesus did. As a result, he's brought you into his own presence. And you are holy. I thought I was God's enemy. You just told me, but but he has now made you holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. Look at how great the grace of God is to do that for you. But, But you must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. I did not earn this. I did not earn this relationship with God. I did not earn him looking at me and saying, wow, you're holy, you're blameless because of what my son has done. I didn't earn that. I Stand firmly in that truth. Don't drift away from the assurance you received when you heard the good news. You received assurance when you first heard about this, when you first said, okay, I'm going to give Jesus a chance. It sounds like he's Lord. I'm in. So, Paul says, we tell others about Christ. Because that's an amazing thing, isn't it? Even while you're an enemy, God says, I'm reconciling you. And I'm bringing you close to me. And I am doing something in you and for you that makes you holy and blameless. So we tell others about it. And we warn everyone and teach everyone with all the wisdom God's given us. We want to present everyone to God. Perfect, which means mature. We want to present everyone to God mature in their relationship with Christ. So so we teach. We we warn. We say, be careful. Don't, Don't use your tongue for evil, broken things. Don't gossip, don't slander, don't label, don't talk badly about. Because maturity comes from standing in the truth of what Jesus has done. Words matter because words are powerful. Jesus' brother wrote this. The tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches. But a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It's a whole world of wickedness corrupting your entire body. In other words, the things you say, the things you say can lead you into places you never want to go. I I, I bet if we sat down and talked about it, I bet you could tell me stories about how you said it and that meant that you ended up... and then that happened, oh, man. And that's where some of our greatest regrets come from. It starts with what we say. It can set your whole life on fire, for it's set on fire by hell itself. We have an old nature, and we say it, and we wish we could take it back. People can tame all kinds of animals and birds and reptiles and fish. No one can tame the tongue. It's restless. 
it, it's, it's broken. It does things it was never intended to do. It's evil. It's full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father. Sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. But did you see what that image of God did in our government? Be careful who you curse. Blessing and cursing pouring out of the same mouth? Surely, brothers and sisters, this isn't right. There's a popular idea out there that the First Amendment of our Constitution, which protects, in in part it protects the, the right to the freedom of speech. In fact, this is a quote, Congress shall make no law, and then skip over a few words, abridging the freedom of speech. That, that, that means I can say anything I want. Well, technically, you can say that's true. You can say anything you want. Congress can't abridge what you say, but God certainly has. God abridges what you say. Don't slander. Don't libel. Don't tell lies. Don't gossip. Right? Don't tear down. God abridges what you say. That's something my parents and grandparents were happy to support, by the way. I learned early on that just saying anything I wanted isn't always the best choice. Right? Just because you can doesn't mean you should. Ephesians 4.29, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. Only what's helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Just because you have the right to do something doesn't mean it's the right thing to do. Repeat the line. Just because you have the right to do something doesn't mean it's the right thing to do. So here's some helpful guidelines. How do you apply this? Here you go. Before you speak, think. That's, I'm going to use T-H-I-N-K. Is what I'm about to say true? If it's not true, when I'm talking about somebody else, no need to say it, right? Is it true? Is it helpful does does this is there benefit in this for this person for 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 somebody is it is this going to be beneficial to them is it inspiring is it encouraging to them because we're told to encourage each other toward love and good works we're told to exhort each other in which which is is really calling each other to do the right things. Is it necessary? I mean, haven't we, we all know of examples where somebody has gotten on you and they were right? It was true. They should have gotten on you. Um, they exhorted you. They told you what to change about your life. But did they need to do that? 
especially at the time they did it? Maybe not. Be careful of that. Is it necessary that I say this? And is it kind? Is it respectful? I don't care if you're talking about your greatest enemy who's made in the image of God. Be respectful because they're made in the image of God. And he loved them enough to send his son for them and to invite him to come before him and be holy and blameless. Before you speak, think, is it true? Is it helpful? Is it inspiring? Is it necessary? Is it kind? Don't post before you think. Don't be careful what you say in conversations. Think before you do that. Whether you're online or in person, think before you speak. Whether you're talking to someone or about someone, think before you speak. And it will benefit both those who listen and your own heart. Let's pray. Father, help us to put this into practice, to think before we speak, to, to be careful about what we say about and to people that you love. Lord, remind us not to use our tongues for for things that they weren't meant to say. Keep us from evil. And, And Lord, work that stuff out of us and change us. As we follow you in this. Thank you, God, that even though our Congress doesn't limit us, you do because you love us. And we love you through Jesus. Amen. I invite you to kneel as we continue in prayer.